All right, today we turn to Psalm chapter 1, or Psalm 1, the book of Psalms, 150 Psalms, Songs of Praise, or Psalms, this really could be translated songs, uh, Songs of Praise, and we're going to be looking at this from May through August, and we're going to, but obviously we're not going to cover every single psalm, but I'm going to try to give you a categorization to think about some of the things that are going there, and we'll look at a variety of psalms under that heading, as I'll explain here in a moment. So, but let's listen to God's holy and inspired word. In the beginning of the psalms, we have this beautiful song that the Lord has given us. Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked, or stand in the way that sinners take, or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord, and who meditates on his law day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. Not so the wicked. They are like chaff. The wind blows away. Therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked leads to destruction. This is God's holy word. Let's pray. Father, we praise you that you've given us this book of songs that you inspired through your servants long ago, but that still speak to us today because of your wisdom, because of your power, because of your spirit working within us. And so, Lord, even as you uh, gave these songs and spoke through your spirit, pray that you would speak to us today. We pray that you would challenge us with this vision that we have here in this psalm in particular. And that you would help set it before us to enable us to live a godly and holy life in service to you through the power of our Lord Jesus Christ. It's in his name we ask it. Amen. So there came a point in my ministry where I decided I needed to learn how to, to talk to normal people. Um, I, was, I, had, I think I had my head full of theology, for which I'm really grateful. I read a lot of stuff in, in a variety of languages even and... And I loved it, and it was great, but I was like, i gotta, I got to make this more understandable. So I started reading all sorts of popular books, trying to figure out how to talk like that. And one of those that was, that was pretty good was A Man's Guide to the Spiritual Disciplines by Patrick Morley. And Patrick had a, had a vision of helping men engage in the disciplines of the Christian life, reading the Bible, praying, fasting, and so on. And in the beginning of that, though, he, he talks about how he came to that. Because what had happened is he told the story of his family and that his, his, grand, his grandfather had left his um, grandmother when she had young children and had just gone away. And then after he left, he got involved in crime and ended up in prison. And so his father at that time was six years old. And when he was six years old, he, really, he began to realize, you know, I need to do something different. I need to go in a different direction. Even at that young age, I've got to help my family. So he, began to, he, so he began to work and even got a paper route at that young age so he could start to support and help his family. And Patrick says, he said his father lived a different sort of life. He realized um, he wanted to be a person who showed kindness to people. He always worked hard. He never spoke evil of anyone as far as his father could remember. Um, he never, and he always showed honor and respect to, to uh, Patrick's mother. And, and how did that begin? Well, Patrick's father had a different vision of what it meant to live a life in this world. 
But he also had a vision of what life could be but should not be by seeing his own father and the wrong ways in which he had lived. And so that's kind of what we're talking about in this passage. It is a vision of what could be and should be for us, but also we find here what could be but should not be. And so the wrong way to go and the right way to go. And that's the beginning of this, of this psalm. And so that's, what we have here is God's vision for our life. And that's what I want to talk about today. But before I get into that, I kind of want to step back and talk about this whole series and where we're headed with it. So the psalms were written about 3,000 years ago. And they were written primarily for the worship services of the temple. Because David, they were written by David, and then his son Solomon built the temple. The tabernacle was already in existence, and as that new temple was being built, the Lord inspired songs for that new temple. And so that's what these, these songs are. Not, most are written, a lot of them are written by David, but not all of them. Um, and th- they were later compiled by the prophets and put together. And basically, they have, are the songbook of the church, of the Old and New Testaments, and they have been used in that way. Um, you know, uh, I've used over the past um, couple years, I've used the Book of Common Prayer quite a bit, just as a helpful guide and devotion, and there's a Psalter at the end of it, and it has all 150 Psalms as part of the worship of God. So, as you look at all these Psalms, I was trying to think about how you categorize them. And there's a lot of different opinions on that, and I'm, I don't really, I'm not going to judge them. Uh, If you want to have a different categorization, it will not bother me in the least. Um, But I'm just going to use one that, as I've read through the Psalms, I'm going to focus on four different aspects of the Psalms. Now, so what I don't want you to do then is go and say, well, now I'm going to go look for these four categories, and I'm going to put all the Psalms in these categories. No, that's not really what this is. But it's just trying to help you see what what are the Psalms teaching us. And um, you'll find that some of these are mixed in various ones, I'm going to select ones that exemplify these the most, I think, or that the Lord is leading me in that way. And uh, so these, these are the four categories that we're going to look at. The first is the vision of the flourishing life. The vision of the flourishing life. So that's, that's the first category. So that's what we're going to look at in the month of May. And then secondly, the vision of the Christ. And I say the Christ because from the standpoint in which they were written... They, they didn't yet know Jesus as, the, as, as coming into this world in the flesh, though they did know him as the Son of God, and they were expecting that he would come in the flesh. And so they talk about that in ways that are really remarkable and startling, uh, and how closely they reflect exactly uh, the theology of the New Testament. Indeed, we could say maybe that's where it came from in large part, right? Then, so that's, what, that's June. And then July is processing the bitter struggles of life. So one thing that's great about the Psalms is, is the Psalms are real. Whatever struggle you have today, you can find someone who probably has experienced it, so, some Psalm where, it's, where you find that experience, or much stronger, like things you might not even say to God, are said in the Psalms. Like, why don't you wake up? Or why are you doing nothing? You know, how can you do this to me? I mean, it's all these things. Well, maybe we do say this. And how do we process that when life gets really tough? 
So that's what we want to look at in July, processing the bitter struggles of life. Because part of being a godly person is learning how to take these hard emotions, the hard experiences, and then process them before the throne of God. But then, fourth, processing the good things of life. Processing the good things of life. And that's what we'll look at in the month of August. And really, here's how we're to process the good things of life. We're to take them and let it lead us to thanksgiving and praise of the God who has blessed us these things. So, that's, how, that's the plan for this summer. Now, let me just say something about the first division, the vision of the flourishing life. If you go to the end of the Psalms, you will find that there are five Psalms that are called the Hallel Psalms that are praises to God, singing hallelujah, which just means praise the Lord. And if you were to write a book of songs for the church, you might begin with Psalm 150, right? Sing a song of praise to the Lord. That's how we start, right? But what's amazing to me is that that's not how God has given us the Psalms. Instead, it begins in a rather remarkable way. It talks instead about the vision of the type of life that we are to live. It gives us a vision for the flourishing life, what it means to live as a godly person in this world. And that's the first song that we have. And then it keeps popping up as you go, as you go through it. And, you know, as I'm, I'm working my way through the Psalms this summer, following my summer Psalms challenge, I'm trying to do it too. Psalm 40, 41, right, right, as the, right as it begins, it's not about the flourishing man, but it says, Blessed are those who have regard for the weak. The Lord delivers them in times of the trouble. It's a vision of a person who serves, as we'll talk about more in a moment. So I just want you to think about that, and it's just an interesting thought, that this is kind of a big deal to the Lord, to say, I want to give you this vision, and I'm giving you a song that you can sing over and over again that will keep this vision before you. And so I put it, I'm putting it number one, <laughs> right? That's, what, that's what's easiest, easiest for us to remember. The first thing, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of ungodly. So let's talk about... What is in this psalm? And I want us to look at the way of the righteous, the way of the wicked, and then the righteous man as our next three points. So what do we see about the righteous man here? Well, the first word that we have here is that he is blessed. Um, That he is blessed. I think I've heard people using that word here in the South. How about (laughs) y'all? Have a blessed day. I'm blessed. How you doing? I'm blessed, right? Well, that's, you know, this is what I, I actually, I think that's helpful because we're recognizing that our, the good we experience actually comes from the Lord, right? So the person that's blessed is experiencing it from another quarter, and it is from the Lord. So what does it mean to be blessed? Well, I like the word flourishing. It, it captures a lot of this, that it is a person who is flourishing, experiencing good things, and that who is expecting um, good things, it is a person who is, is experiencing the good things of life and who is experiencing the favor of the Lord and who can expect the good things are going to happen. He's a person of hope. He's a person of faith because he knows that God is going to care for him and do good things to him. Now, it doesn't mean he's a person who does not have struggles, but he's a person who continually experiences good things and expects more. And we know that because the... This song, 
whatever vision you may have of, of a Christian life needs to be informed by the struggles that we find in the Psalms, which are reflected in Jesus himself, who, whose soul experienced agony. And these Psalms are prayers not only of, of the church, but also of, of Christ. And a lot of the suffering there is reflected in the suffering of Christ, which we'll see more next month. So the second thing about the righteous man is that he avoids the wrong way. In verse 1, it says that the blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers. Now, I like that word that he does not walk in step with the wicked. That he's not, and because that's kind of what happens. In spite of what we think, we all tend to kind of just move in the same direction. And it's easy to let the crowd just lead us, to just do what everybody else is doing. But the righteous man is not the one who does that. Instead, he, and he doesn't also just, doesn't just react to what the wicked are doing. He is the one who thinks through what God has called him to do and follows that path, even if it means opposition, even if it means he has to separate from others. But he also does it, knows how to do it with compassion and kindness and so on, as we'll see as we go through these psalms. But that in order to be the godly man, it will require that we're going to have to separate ourselves from some of the paths that the world walks and not stand in those ways because those are the ways that, that are contrary to God, contrary to his principles, contrary to his word, contrary to his law, and lead to destruction. And so he's going to look a little bit different because he's going in a different way. But then third, the righteous man meditates on the law of the Lord. It says his delight is in the law of the Lord, and he meditates on his law day and night. So he meditates on it because he loves it. He delights in the law of the Lord. Now the word law in the Bible is used in a variety of different ways. Obviously it can refer to God's commands, and it is used in that specific way. Sometimes it's used more broadly to refer to the Old Testament or to the whole word of God. And I think that that's probably the best meaning of it here is that he meditates on the word of God because it's all authoritative, like a law. And so it's, he's meditating on the fact that God has created us, that he's made us, that he preserves us, that human beings have fallen into sin, but that God has promised redemption and carried it out, that he's given us commandments to follow, and he has made us part of a community, and that he's sending a Christ who will fill all these promises and gives us the Holy Spirit and gives us hope for the future. So it's all the things in the scriptures. And he meditates on them day and night. He thinks. He thinks about it. And one of the things we have to be cautious about it is that we don't turn reading the Bible. Well, so let me back up. The, we should read the Bible. Like that's like a, or listen to it. In an audio version, we have innumerable versions with which we can do it. You can do it in any language you want virtually. And it's all there. That should be part of our lives. But it's important that we not just read it and, and check that off our list, but that it becomes a part of it. And so we're like chewing on it and letting it be, be ruminate in our minds. And that's why it says, he doesn't say, blessed is the man who reads the Bible, though that is indeed a blessing, right? but who meditates on it. So, that, so one of the things I say as you read the Bible on a daily basis, you know, oftentimes I, f I find the Lord will kind of imprint one particular thing 
to me, I try to say, okay, I'm going to keep that with me and let that run through my mind. Something like that. But uh, the Lord can lead you in that. And he meditates on it day and night. And the Psalms are particularly useful for this because they're made as songs. And songs are the sorts of things we sing over and over again. We go over them again and again. That's why it's useful not just to read them, but even actually to put them into verse and sing them like we did uh, today. And there's lots of resources for doing that. If you have any interest in that, you like to sing, you know, there's all kinds of versions of the Psalms that you can do. Brendan showed us a while back one that I hadn't seen. One guy who's putting the Psalms and he's using um, a little bit more modern music, but very faithful to what is being said there. You can use that. There's all kinds of resources to help you with that. It's the songbook for the church. And what happens when we meditate on it is that we are refreshed. It's like being a tree planted by the streams of water. That's the righteous man. And the, the water we can think of as being the word that refreshes the tree and makes its leaf go green and prosper. And I'm sure you've all seen that. We have so many rivers here. You can look and, and see the rivers, the trees, that they're like crowding in to, to by the streams because they want that refreshing water. Though it was very different from what I experienced in South Dakota. If you traveled into western South Dakota where I lived or into the plains, one thing you'll find is like there's virtually no trees, only in two places. Generally where there's higher elevation, a little bit of more moisture, and when the, there's the, where there is or has been a stream. And then all of a sudden there's these cottonwood trees right out in the middle of the plains. And I always think that, that often gives another good image. It's like when everything's dry, when, everything, when no trees can grow, those who are planted by those rivers of water can grow. They can flourish. And so what I want to say to you today is that wherever you are, whatever you're struggling with, don't forget there are refreshing streams that can come to you and renew your soul. They are available. And so, so don't just sit there and with what you're struggling with, with what, what the things that you're going through. Go to the, to the Word of God. Go particularly to the Psalms. And let those become your prayers. And I, I assure you that you will find that the Lord will provide refreshing streams for your soul. So you'll be like a tree planted by the rivers of water. It will make us fruitful and alive even if there's no other trees growing around us. Fourth thing I notice here about the righteous man is that the righteous man is active in good works. It says, whatever he does prospers. Notice he doesn't just sit there and meditate all day long. He actually goes and he does things. He's active. And you will see that throughout the Psalms. Is that they, the, the righteous man is one who is going out and doing good works. He is that fruitful, those fruitful streams lead somewhere. Like it says in Psalm 112 verse 9. They, the righteous, have freely scattered their gifts to the poor. Their righteousness endures forever. And so, as we take those things in from the Lord, it should lead us outward to do good works, and we should trust they will prosper, and that, as Paul said, our labor in the Lord is not in vain. But that is not the only thing we see here. We also see the way of the wicked. Because um, it was interesting, um, so Jordan Peterson is someone a lot of people look to for help on living life. 
in these days, and he has a little program called uh, Envisioning. And um, what he does is he talks about like people were actually writing out a vision for their future. But he also says, write, write out not only what you'd like to occur, but write out how bad it actually could be if you don't do the right things. In a way, that's kind of what we have in the Psalms. It sets forth not only the positive vision, but over and over again, it contrasts it with, like, this is how wrong things could go. You Things could go off the rails, and you need to be aware of that. And so he talks about the wicked. Whereas the righteous man is rooted, not so the wicked. They are like the chaff. The wicked are people who are not rooted. They're like the people in Jesus' parable who are built on sand. And I don't know if this is the right thing, but, you know, in, in South Dakota, we also had, we had like the, I would see the trees planted by the water that actually could grow. And then I'd also see this tumbleweed just kind of being blown across the plains. And I said, there's the righteous and there's the wicked. Because I, I always sang this psalm and I loved it. And it was like, that was a visual reminder. Every time those, that tumbleweed would shoot across the road, so that's, that could be me if I don't seek to root myself in the Lord. And so the wicked are not rooted. They are not connected to the great streams of reality. They have gotten out of accord with what God made us to be. And so the result is that they will not prosper. And one of the things you're going to see in the Psalms, sometimes it seems like the wicked are going to prosper. But no, it's not true. It only lasts for a short time. And they're going to be cut down. They will perish indeed. And all their hopes, all those who reject the Lord and seek to find their happiness and blessedness, ultimate blessedness anywhere else, are going to miss out. We have to be found in the, in the one who has made us. And this is true, again, even if it seems like it's not. That's what it says in the last verse. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will lead to destruction. And what that tells us is, for us, sometimes it seems like we're, our way isn't prospering. But it says the Lord knows the way of the righteous. And that means not simply that he's cognitively aware that it actually exists, but that also that he cares for it. The Lord cares even if it seems like he doesn't. Like it said in the book of Exodus, the Lord saw. He saw the people and their suffering, which meant more than just that he knew it was there, but that he cared about it. And the Lord sees, as Charles Spurgeon said, he is constantly looking on their way, and though it may be often in mist and darkness, yet the Lord knoweth it. If it be in the clouds and tempest of affliction, he understandeth it. He numbereth the hairs of our head. He will not suffer any evil to befall us. That is what the Lord's promise is. But with the wicked, it's totally different. It says, the way of the wicked leads to destruction. And again, even though they may prosper, as Psalm 37 says, a little while and the wicked will be no more. Though you look for them, they will not be found. The Lord's not going to allow that to just go on and on and on. He brings his judgment sooner or later. Now, allow me one more point. We've gone on quite a bit here. But let me just make one more important point, which I think needs to inform all the ways we think about the Psalms. Because the Psalms are a book about Jesus. They are, psalm, they are psalms, the songs of Jesus. And they're the songs that lead us to Jesus. So one interesting thing about the original language here is um, we have blessed is the one, which is saying, and saying anybody who does this, it's not wrong to translate it that way. It's a correct understanding. 
But in the original Hebrew, we could, we could also translate it, blessed is the man. And again, the, uh, the, just like in our language, sometimes man is used as a collective for male and female, like mankind. And so here, that is, but it also has another connotation. Because it says, blessed is the man. Blessed is ha-ish. And it says, and it makes us think, when we, it makes us think, first of all, about ourselves. Am I, am, am I that man or that woman? And when we consider ourselves, what do we see? Have we delighted in the law of the Lord? Have we really meditated on it day and night? Um, are we seeking to find, put our roots in other places? And I think every one of us can, can say today that the Lord is doing a work in us, and we're beginning that, but we fall short in many ways, and many times we've actually been going in the completely wrong direction. And so what that leads us to see is, like, who is this man? And literally in Psalm 15, it's going to say, who can ascend to the holy hill? He has clean hands and a pure heart. And what this points us to is the man, the one man who truly, from beginning to end, delighted in the law of the Lord day and night and made it his meditation and did not ever walk in the way of the sinners. He loved them. He, he met with them. He ate and drank with them. But he never followed their path. And that is our Lord Jesus Christ. He is Haish, the man. He is the only person whom this psalm ever completely and perfectly described in this life. And so what that means for us is, again, just considering the broader revelation of God, what does that mean? It means that we are this person only in him. And what that means is that what he did gets counted as ours. He did it for us. If we have accepted Jesus, then what this, his perfection gets counted as ours. Everything he did, everything he suffered, as if we had done it ourselves. As if Jesus were to put a million dollars in our account, and it's in our account, it's now ours. It's counted as ours. That is his righteousness that is counted as ours. But also, it means that in him... We are beginning to be this way. His life is transforming our life so that we begin, even when our, our delights sometimes go in different directions, there's something within us that keeps pushing us back to delight in the law of the Lord. And we may get fascinated by things and we start to fixate them on them that much, but then all of a sudden there's that stream of the life of Christ within us who's saying, I delight in the law of the Lord. That's my first thing. This is, God is accomplishing this. We're being transformed. And I really think that the, the, to understand this is really beautifully stated and kind of puts all these metaphors together in John 15. Jesus said, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Just like in this passage. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up thrown into the fire and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit showing yourselves to be my disciples. That's the substance of the psalm. So take that, John 15, set it over that, 
And I think you'll have a good understanding of what's going on. So let me just conclude with just a few brief points. So this psalm then is a call to build the right roots. And uh, one of the ways I want to encourage you to do this practically is to follow what I've called the Summer Psalm Challenge. And so you can read through the Psalms four times, do it once a month, um, or do it twice, or do it some other way, or do it once a week, as, as they did in the monasteries. They read through the whole Psalter every, every week. But the point is, pick one. I've got some sheets out there that give you a guide, or you can just do five Psalms a day that will get you through it in a month. But just to get this word into you and to begin to meditate about you, begin to make the Psalms more a part of your life. But then not just read them, but to meditate on them. Take away something that the Lord is teaching you there and let it go down deeper into your heart. Think about it through the day. But as, all we, as, and as we do this, remember, too, that all the Psalms point us to the man, Haish, the one in whom we have all these things. It's fruitful because Christ is truly that man, and he is that man for us who's accomplished everything we need for us and is accomplishing it in us. The blessed man has come, and so we know that the vision here can actually be fulfilled in us, that we will produce great fruit to the Father's glory. Amen.